Well, welcome to The Exchange. My name is Hal Mayer. I'm the pastor over the Young Adult Ministry at Grace Family Church. And we are online for our fourth week. I got to be honest, this has been different every week. It's been kind of weird. I felt like by now I would have this normalcy to my schedule, but it just seems like every week it's something different. And in this past week with Easter services on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I know we had an incredible amount of people watch online, which was amazing. But the fact that I wasn't at a sunrise service and at a good Friday service and all of that, it just kind of, I don't know, it, it's different because we're used to tradition, right? We're used to tradition. And for many of us, here's what's, what's true. What we grew up in, uh, our first church experience for many of us is normative. Well, it's what we think is what's normal. And when we see something different, many times we wonder if that's normal or not. Or we automatically assume that it's wrong because it's different than what we grew up in. See, I know for some of you, though, what you grew up in, you've realized was not exactly right. Uh, for me, you guys have known this if you've been around. I grew up uh, very early on in an incredibly conservative environment. And when I say conservative, I think there's, you know, three types of churches. Those that worship with their hands to their side. Uh, those that worship with one hand up. And those that just absolutely worship. Well, the church that I first grew up in was a hands-at-your-side worship. I mean, it was all hymns. Uh, no one was very excited. In fact, the only time there was anything with a beat was I remember when the youth choir would come in and they would do something a little bit more and you could see the pastors, they would just kind of tap their feet because they all sat on stage and you could see them and they would just kind of tap their feet along. And that meant, oh, wow, there's something happening here. But as I got older, we went, we started going, my dad was a pastor. We started, uh, he started being a pastor at a church that was a lot more contemporary. Uh, we had a full band, a lot more like grace. And so you had people worship, but it was still a lot of people from conservative backgrounds. So you may have like that one hand up kind of deal. People were getting into it, but not so much that it made them uncomfortable. Well, I still remember the first time I went to what you would call a charismatic or Pentecostal church. And, and you go in and it's just a different atmosphere. I mean, you, you see people on the side before worship stretching or putting like icy hot on their knee because it's about to go down. And they don't just worship, they worship. They don't just sing, they sing. And then there's a moment in the service and you, you hear people, and this is in some charismatic churches, you hear people start to speak in a language you don't understand. And I remember wondering what that was. And I realized after a while, it was speaking in tongues. And in church that I grew up in, we believed that tongues didn't exist anymore. In that church, they believed that everyone should have the gift of tongues. And so the hard part becomes in, in this, when you have your tradition against something else, what's true, what's normative? The truth is, it's not necessarily where you go. It's what the Bible says. So today we're going to do a dive into some stuff that's tough. I'll be honest with you, uh, the amount of time that we do messages right now is a very short amount of time to explain all of this. So I'll be honest, we're going to be hitting this more and more every week. In fact, the entire book of Acts is about the Holy Spirit and the gifts he gives us and how that's supposed to be used in the church. So today we're going to do a brief overview of some of these things, but just understand, I need you to kind of open up your minds, open up your heart uh, to what God wants you to hear and kind of decide what is true and what isn't based on what the Bible says. 
Let me just say this. There's a lot of things in churches that you see, uh, you see lines that are okay lines. I, I would say it like this. There are county lines, there's state lines, and there are national lines. County lines are just basic things that people do different in churches. State lines would be kind of your denominations. And then national lines are this. It's what you go to war over. It's, do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? Do you believe that he rose, that he lived a perfect life, rose three days later, and he is the only way to heaven? That is a national line. Those are things we go to war about. The other things we can talk about. The other things are things that, you know what, it may be a preference in worship style and stuff like that, but it's not stuff that says we're on a different team. We're all on the same team. Let me just say this. Even if you believe different from what I'm teaching today, we're all on the same team team because we all believe Jesus is the same person. But we're going to be talking about many of these things and it all starts in Acts chapter 2. If you remember in Acts chapter 1, what do we see? We saw Jesus died. He rose from the dead. He started showing up uh, to over 500 people. And he says, hey, here's the deal. You're going to tell the world that I exist. You're going to tell the world that I rose from the dead. I want you to do that. But before you do that, I want you to wait for what? The Holy Spirit. I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit. Why? Because that's the power source. He says, wait for the Holy Spirit. So what did we see them doing last week? We saw them gathering. We saw them praying. And we saw them unifying. Why? Because God was about to use them for something big. And in the same way, exchange, that's what we're supposed to do in this time. Gather, pray, unify, because I believe coming out of this, God is going to do something big. So we pick up in chapter two, verse one, and it says this, it says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like a roaring of a mighty windstorm. Notice the word like. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Now, notice the word like, because here's what happens sometimes. Sometimes the Bible is trying to explain in human language something that is absolutely supernatural. Okay, so it says it's like something. It doesn't mean it is something. It says it was like a windstorm. It says it was like flames of fire. If it was actual fire, it wouldn't have been considered a blessing. So we see the Holy Spirit show up in a windstorm as a flame of fire during what's called Pentecost. Now, Pentecost is 50 days after Passover. Penta meaning 50. Passover, if you remember, it's where Jesus, we believe, had the last supper with the disciples. It's it's a celebration of bit when the Israelites got to leave Egypt. And so because of that, there's 50 days later, there's something called Pentecost where everyone comes together and they celebrate. The church has gathered. So it's a more perfect time, as you could say, for the Holy Spirit to show up. And then what happens? The Holy Spirit shows up. Why? To empower the church to do something that only they could do with his power. It says he shows up like a mighty windstorm. You know, it's kind of like this. I don't know how many of you living in Tampa have actually gone through a hurricane. I lived in South Florida for a long period of time, so I went through many of them. I remember one hurricane was a Category 2, and I was in West Palm Beach. And I decided to just stay at my own house, not go anywhere, and just get through it, which was kind of dumb because I had forgotten that during a hurricane, normally you lose electricity, normally you lose the ability for entertainment, so you're just kind of sitting there. 
And so the hurricane actually came through in the middle of the day. It was me and my dog. And we're sitting there. It comes through. It is loud. It is powerful. But everything's okay on the inside. And we were actually in going through the eye of the storm. If you've ever been in the eye of a hurricane, it's absolutely calm. It's actually the time where I took my dog out, got to go to the bathroom, all that kind of stuff. And you're sitting in the eye and it's just crazy because it's like this ominous time of no wind. And then what happens? Slowly as the eye leaves, the hurricane picks up. I remember thinking to myself, how incredible would it be to fly a kite right now? I know that's not what normal people think of. But I'm thinking, man, how easy would it be to fly a kite? Because we know what, when there's no wind, is it easy to fly a kite? No. My son, Hal, the other day had a kite, and he was running as fast as he could with it, but there was absolutely no wind. What happens when there's no wind and you're trying to fly a kite? It just falls down. What happens when you have a kite in the middle of a hurricane? Do you have to do any work? Do you have to run? Absolutely not. What happens? It just takes it away. In fact, you could have a tattered, broken down, worthless looking kite that would fly during a windstorm. Understand this. Get this exchange. It doesn't matter what state we are in. It doesn't matter how beaten, broken, uh, battered we feel we are. If the Holy Spirit is behind what we're doing, we will fly. No matter where we're at, it will lift us up and bring us to another place. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. See, it says it's like a wind storm that fills every believer and lifts them up. And it also says it's what? It's like a fire. See, a fire is most appreciated when? When it's cold and when it's dark. The other night, my son and I went camping and we made a fire. And I don't want to say it was very cold. It was cold for Tampa. I think it was in like the 50s. And so we made a fire. And as it got darker and darker, it got colder and colder. So what do you do when it gets colder and colder? You can move closer and closer to the fire. And we continue to put wood on the fire. We continue just to enjoy it and watch it. I've always loved fire. I've been a little bit of a pyro. Turns out my son is also. And we're sitting there, what? And what does the fire do? It brings warmth. It actually brings people together, doesn't it? See, not only that, but it brought illumination. We could see the entire yard. We could see everything around us because of that fire. See, a fire attracts a crowd. A fire brings warmth. And a fire illuminates the world around you. See, the Holy Spirit has a power like a hurricane. At the same time, it can illuminate the world around us like a fire and bring a warmth to what we're doing that makes people want to hear what we have to say. See, the Holy Spirit comes down like a hurricane, like a fire. Why? Because that's where the power is coming from. See, Jesus' mission was not to take us from the world, but to send the Holy Spirit to empower us in the world. Jesus never meant to take us from the world. He didn't want us to become a Christian and then go, oh, you're done. No, he wanted to send us the Holy Spirit to empower us. Why? To reach the world. See, sometimes the Holy Spirit works publicly and loudly, and sometimes the Holy Spirit works in a room. Remember one night, one of our foster kiddos was having a bad dream. I went up, laid next to him. And I prayed for the Holy Spirit to calm him and help him sleep. And in that moment, 
the mighty Holy Spirit that can turn people's hearts for you was calming a child's heart so that they could sleep. See, the Holy Spirit, while it's used for public pronunciation, public proclaiming of the gospel, it is also used to warm and to care for a child's heart. See, Jesus' mission requires the Holy Spirit. It requires that power if we want to do that. In the Bible, it talks about being baptized in the Holy Spirit or sealed in the Holy Spirit. I want you to understand that happens once. When you become a Christian, you are baptized or sealed in the Holy Spirit. What needs to happen after that is we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit on a regular basis. So you get baptized, sealed once. You have fillings that happen during your life that help you do what God's called you to do. And see, we're actually supposed to be asking to be filled with the Holy Spirit. When God's called us to do something big, to go on mission, we ask the Holy Spirit to fill our lives. When we're getting married and we're like, I see the world around me. I see the way people are married, but I want to do it differently. I want to do it the way God's called me. We ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Every day when I parent my kids and I don't want to lose it during this corona time, I pray for the Holy Spirit to fill my heart so that I can love them in a way that is different than my natural heart wants to. See, what the Holy Spirit does is this, is it helps us overcome barriers. And we see that in Acts 2 verse 4. This is a long verse, so stay with me. It says, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. Those people are from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in their own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and province of Asia. Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and other areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. See, what did they see? All of a sudden, all these Galileans, all of these people who speak one language are speaking perfectly the language of everyone else that is there. Now, I want you to notice two things that the Holy Spirit does here. There's two barriers that he overcomes, one location and two language. See, I think it was perfect timing for the Holy Spirit to show up during Pentecost. Why? Because people from all of these regions, all over the Middle East, all from around these areas, all come together. And it's perfect timing because if it all happens in that moment, what happens? If they meet Jesus, if they have the Holy Spirit, they go back and they become missionaries every place that they're at. So the Holy Spirit overcomes the barrier of location, but it also overcomes the barrier of language. What are they able to do? They are able to speak in perfect pronunciation, the language of everyone else there. This is such an incredible thing to have happen. I can't imagine having this gift, how incredible it would be. Some of you have been in situations before where you're trying to communicate with someone who has a different language. It's tough. Or maybe you've been on a mission trip. I've been into Haiti several times. And the first time I went in, I didn't know Creole. 
and you try to communicate. And I found myself having a hard time trying to communicate. And then I actually switched for some reason. I grew up trying to speak Spanish. And, you know, I went to school for Spanish, started speaking Spanish as if Spanish is closer to Creole, which it's not. It's a mixture of French. And no one was getting it. And it was so frustrating at that moment. If I had the, the ability to speak in their language, how much easier would it have been? See, God give them, gave them that ability, which is one of the ways God gives us the gift of tongues. Now, let me just say this. This is where your church background comes into play. This is where a lot of misunderstanding comes into play. I'm going to go over it quickly, and I promise this, we will be touching on this every week as we go on. But I want us to understand what tongues are, how they are given to us and who gets them, okay? If you want to look at 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, you see an incredible resource where Paul talks about all the spiritual gifts. But I believe this, and I believe at Grace we believe this, there's three types of tongues. There's three types of tongues. The first one is this, it's a personal prayer language. This is one we hear about most often. What is this? This is something that happens, you have the ability to speak in a language you don't understand, when you're in prayer. And the idea is this, it's your innermost wants, desires, and what the Holy Spirit realizes you truly need, you are praying to God in a language you don't understand. This is something that is a personal and private gift from the Holy Spirit. Now, is this something everyone gets? No, it's not. In fact, this is not a sign of whether or not you have the Holy Spirit. This has been used many times to put others down and lift others up. There's this idea in some denominations that if you don't have the gift of tongues, you don't truly have the Holy Spirit in your life. That is not something that we believe. This is not something that shows somebody that they're at another level of Christianity. This is also not something that is a sign that you are a Christian, okay? If you look at just the leaders at Grace, over half the leaders at Grace do have the gift of this personal prayer language to speak in tongues, but a lot of us don't. For example, me. I don't have it. I've asked for it. I've prayed for it. I've wanted it, but it just hasn't happened. Not only that, but if you look at those who teach at Grace, Pastor Craig does have the ability to pray in tongues. Pastor Matt does not. So, If you don't have the ability, you're a lot like me. Sorry about that. If you do have the ability, that's awesome too. Yes, you can pray for it. You can ask for it. But it's not a sign of what you can do. I've had this happen in my life. And I've had other people I know that are incredible pastors have this happen in their life. Where we've gotten off stage, we've taught, and we've had someone come up to us and ask us if we have the gift of speaking in tongues. And I'm telling you, this has happened to me and others. And when we say no, they go, wow, it's amazing what you have been able to do without the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Now, when that first happens, it kind of takes you back and it makes you want to truthfully throw down. But I've learned it's just an ignorance and understanding what the Holy Spirit brings. The Holy Spirit brings all kinds of gifts to all kinds of people. And the church needs all these gifts to function well. Some have the gift of tongues and some do not. The church needs all of us to be honest, be honest and use the gift God has given us. And to be honest, 
I would like the other gift of tongues. I wish I had the gift that allowed me to speak in all the languages. And that's the second one. The first one is a personal prayer language. The second one is speaking in another language for evangelism. This isn't one that you see as often. This is the one that you see at Pentecost though. This is the one that's happening right there. You have Galileans that are considered country folk that are speaking the perfect language of everyone else that's there. This would be incredible to be able to have to go on missions and stuff like that. I have never actually seen this myself, but I have several friends that are missionaries that have told me that out on the mission field where this has happened and it's been a miracle. So you have that prayer language, you have what you see at Pentecost, which is the ability to speak all these different languages. And the last one is this, it's something that is given to someone to guide or to encourage the church. Now, it says in the Bible, this is not to be done in front of unbelievers. There's a reason for that. Because if all of a sudden you start speaking in tongues, it makes everyone feel weird. It makes everyone wonder what's going on. It's a supernatural thing. But it's not supposed to be done in front of unbelievers. And the second thing is this. It's also only supposed to be done when there's a translator. You're like, how this sounds crazy. And it is. It's supernatural though. This is something that God does. We're not going to fully understand it. And there's a purpose to that. There's a reason why there is a person that can speak in tongues and the reason why there's a person that's a translator. Because we don't want one person to have all the power. We don't want to have one person that can take over. In fact, this is the biggest reason why many people, including the people that I have had in my past, believe that it's not something that's still around. A lot of, there's a lot of people that believe a lot of these gifts are dead. And one of the reasons they believe that is because they see it abused so many times. I've heard of a guy who said he had both the gift of speaking in tongues to bring it to the church and the gift of interpretation. So he would speak in tongues, interpret himself and say whatever he wanted to say. Let me just say this, just because a gift is abused doesn't mean we throw it away. There's a lot of false teachers out there. It doesn't mean we say, oh, let's stop teaching. It means let's look to the Bible on the way this should be done. And it says this should be done in private. The first one, the personal prayer gift, this one, it's done in private. Why? Because there's things, we just understand this, that need to be done in private that shouldn't be done in public. At Grace, there are many people that speak in tongues. You won't hear it in a service, but you will hear it when all the staff is together and in some, uh, some of the small groups because there's some things that are, should be done in private, right? For example, for example, I had a friend that went to Starbucks the other day, he's sitting at Starbucks. A girl walks in, sits down next to him. She takes off her shoes. She takes off her socks. And she starts clipping her toenails. Look, is she sinning? No. But that is something that should be done in private, right? So the idea of tongues and all that, is it a sin necessarily to do it in public? No. But it is something that should be done in private? Why? One, the Bible says so. Two, it's something that is personal for us. So let's see how this chapter ends out. Acts 2, 12 and 13 says, They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them saying, They're just drunk. That's all. So what do you have? This is what happens anytime. Jesus shows up. This is what happens anytime the gospel is proclaimed. There's people that sit back in amazement and go, there's something here and there's people who ridicule it. Look, the Holy Spirit breaks down barriers. We see that location and language. It did that. 
Why? To bring people to Jesus. But understand this, it's not on us. Our job is to do what the Holy Spirit has called us to do. The rest is up to God. And there will always be people who think it's amazing and immediately turn to Christ. And there will always be people who ridicule it and try to make up a reason why it doesn't matter. But here's what I want you to understand here. I want us to focus on the idea of why we need the Holy Spirit. This week, in fact, I I would love for you to pray through and think about how the Holy Spirit can be a powerful wind to lift you up, like a hurricane that takes no matter how battered and tattered you feel like you are and can bring you to new heights. In the same way, how the Holy Spirit can warm your heart, can draw other people to you, and can be something that illuminates the path in front of you. See, that's the reason we need it. And those are the reasons we ask to be filled by the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for who you are. God, we thank you that you are a God that loves us so much that you sent the Holy Spirit to help us. God, I pray that as we go out and we do what you've called us to do, that we'll do it to the best of our ability. God, I pray we won't look at what other people are gifted at and assume that we are less but look at our giftings and realize how important they are to the church. God, we thank you and we love you for the way that you continue to help us in this. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Well, guys, as you know, we have several ways for you to stay connected in this time. We've got small groups going on after this. You've seen the number to dial in. You'll see it after I'm done talking here. Uh, We've got Friday Night Live happening this week where Chrissy and I will be answering your questions on Instagram. We have the weekend services that are going on. There's something actually going on right now that's kind of a cool thing to be involved in. We'll throw the website up after this where Grace Family Church is coming together and making masks for those that are in the medical field. Guys, there's a lot of things going on. On top of that, there, we also have our daily devotional that we've been doing with the Bible Project, which if you haven't started, it's incredible. Please start it. Do not be intimidated by it. The idea behind it is that there is a video every single day that will help you understand what you just learned. Guys, I miss you. I can't wait till we get back. It is really hard speaking to a camera. I don't even know if I'm funny anymore. So I am really looking to get back with you guys very soon. But until then, I love you. Please stay connected. See you next week.